Good morning, friends. It's a blessing for me to come to you. I'm so excited about today's message. I'm going to preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ in it, in its setting where it was in the early church times. What went through the mind of Mary of Magdalene? What was uh, Salome thinking about this? What was Mary, the mother of James, thinking? What was going on in the mind of the early church people, or I would say the first disciples, when they saw that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? I'm going to be hitting on Mark 16, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3. Those are powerful things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how Peter addressed the Jews that he called the murderers of Jesus Christ, which he also called people that did it ignorantly. We're going to look at how that got them out of the systems of that world. And then lastly, we're going to apply it to our lives, explaining what that means to us today. So I want to welcome you and I want to thank you that you've slotted in and that you allow me to serve you with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us just pray together as we start our service. Father, I want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to thank you for the gospel, the very good news that makes us new. Thank you, Lord, that this brings a complete different way of looking at the world, looking at our own lives, at who we are, at what our destiny is. It brings a new definition, a redefinition of what win means, of what righteous means, of what saved means. Thank you for the love that you have for us and that you have come to preserve our lives forever. You've come to save us. Thank you for the power of your spirit on us. I also want to thank you, Lord, and I want to ask that you stretch forth your hand to perform signs and wonders and miracles in those people who listen to this message lives. Thank you, Lord, that there might be those that start to hear the message and they feel this is good news, um, but you come. I want you to come and I ask you, Lord, that you, as I preach, like in the book of Acts, fill people with the Holy Spirit, heal their bodies, bring deliverance to them in ways where they can say the word was confirmed with signs, wonders, and miracles. And we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen and amen. Today, we're going to start out in Mark 16. And the purpose of today's message is to look at what was going on in the early church's mind, or I would call it not even the early church, the first disciples, or the disciples of Jesus and the people that followed him that was still left over and left in the amazement of the death of Jesus. Yes, I would say amazement, because they were amazed that he died. They never thought that he was now going to die. They thought that he was the Messiah. So we're going to look at what was going on in their minds. Then we're going to see how we can apply that to everyday life and how that affects us today. Because we need to understand this thing. This is what I'm going to draw heavenly, heavenly, heavily on. And that is that the same man, Jesus, that poured his spirit out on people 2,000 years ago, is continually doing that on the 
lives and on the bodies of people that believe in Jesus today. So he is still working in the earth today. What does that mean? If Jesus still pour out the Spirit on people today, it means that what was true then is still true now. And I want to submit to you that I'm of the opinion that the way they looked at Jesus is still the way we need to look at Jesus today. Glory to God. I want to tell you, I've just preached this message in Afrikaans to our local congregation here on a Zoom meeting, and I am so pumped with this truth. I want to just share this with you. Right. Let us uh, get into Mark 16. Mark 16. Um, Mark 16. You know, so many times we have this idea that the gospel is basically a theory that just changes our mind so that we can just look differently at things. But it is much more than that. It's much more powerful than that. And I want to use this example before I get into Mark 16. I've got a, a cup here that I drank coffee out earlier today. It is dirty. Um, and then I've got another one here. This was from the previous day. It is also dirty. Helena always complains with me, say, Bertie, you should bring the cups in that we can have it washed. But I just forget the cup sometime. Now, you look at this cup. It is dirty. And a person, obviously, when you wash dishes, you want it clean. Now, imagine I do the following. I've got the, um, I've used this example before, I think. But I've got, this is a dishwashing liquid, South Africa, sunlight liquid. It's got... Um, Lemon in it, they say, certain percentage of it. And man, I tell you, people advertise this, that it is, it can like almost wash your soul. So that's how good they say it is. Now, if I want to wash these cups, what must I do? I need to take the soap and then I need to apply it to the cup, mix it with some water, wash it, rinse it, and then it will be clean. But imagine I go and I just take it like this and I I look at the cup through the soap it does change I mean it becomes a kind of a green and a bit blurry uh, because I'm looking through the soap at these cups now it does certain things in my mind it does something with a light that comes uh, into my eye and I look at it in a certain way. But one thing it doesn't do, one thing it doesn't do, one thing it for sure doesn't do is it doesn't wash the cup. It is just a way of looking at things. And I want to submit to you that I think that we've had a view of Christianity where it basically uh, got God not to look at sin anymore because he's looking at people through the blood of Jesus. And then what we think God thinks about sinners is now uh, the lens through which we look at things. Where I think there was something much more physical and real that happened to Jesus and what happens in this world when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. It has much more to do with an application of a resurrected human and what happens to people uh, through this man, Jesus Christ, than what we would have 
a theory where we, through the blood, look at the cups as clean and then we go to bed with peace of mind because we don't have to wash the dishes anymore for we just, I mean, if my son, if our son wash the dishes, please, and he says, and I get there and it's not clean and, I, and he tells me, Dad, just look through that soap, man. It's all clean. I would say, son, we need to have a talk. I think you, um, you are playing games with your dad, and this is not the way it's supposed to be, and I would think that it is a joke. I would look for a camera somewhere uh, because this must be a joke, you know, that he's playing a trick on me. There's candid cameras on me. Okay, so what we want to do is we want to look at the, resurrec the resurrection of Jesus, not as something we look through, but as something that changed the world. That is what we need to look at and leaves us with a hope in the future. It's not something we look through. It's something that has happened to the world and in this world. And we want to see how the early church looked at this. Now, uh, Mark 16, 1, I've preached on this passage many times, but we're just going to focus even deeper onto this. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, I read up on that. Some people say that there were certain rituals about that um, with different meanings of which one that I read up on was that it would be very strong spices uh, trying to get the stench of death, the stench of decay away from the body of Jesus. Uh, because, and what I see here, the beauty of how Mark puts this, yes, Mark just puts facts there, but I also read between the lines that that is man's effort to try and soften the death of Jesus. Now, we need to understand that the death Jesus died to these people in that time was absolutely devastating. You couldn't imagine what it must have meant to them. Back in those days, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And I've said this before, but let me hammer it again. The Jews waited for a Messiah. What that would mean is deliverance from Rome. What they wanted is something like what happened uh, in the Maccabean revolt, where there was a revolt against the Hellenistic rule that they were over in about 167 before Christ, round about there. I think it's 167 before Christ. And then the, there was a revolt and they overthrew the power, the Hellenistic rule that there was over them. And what we then would call was Israel was then independent. I mean, we celebrate independence in South Africa, in America, different countries, we celebrate independence. We are a country on our own, ruled by ourselves. That's what happened to the Jews. And the kingdom was now restored unto them. The kingdom, they were a kingdom again. They were ruling again. They could, uh, over themselves, they could stand under God, the whole thing. They were free. But then, about 63 before Christ, Rome came in and conquered Jerusalem, conquered the Jews, and they became a colony again of this Roman Empire, which was a problem to the Jews. So they were now looking for 
as somebody like in the Maccabean revolt, like the man who led them free there, I think it was called the hammer, you know, coming and setting the Jews free again. They were waiting for this Messiah. And different people came and presented themselves as a Messiah. What they would basically do is they would get followers. These followers would then stand up or they would try and plan a revolt or even a political party that would kind of work with Rome but try and overthrow Rome at the end of the day but in a legal way. I mean, there were different approaches. You got, got the Herodians. They were thinking that Herod was the king of the Jews. And since he's the king of the Jews, that's what they thought. You know, if he can get higher political power, he would. I mean, that's how the kingdom might be restored and all those kind of things. And then there would be somebody like Jesus that came. I mean, there were many like messiahs in that time that tried and show that they are a messiah. But when Rome would find out about these messiahs, what they then would do is they'd kill him, which is a problem for your messiah. If you had a messiah and Rome took him and killed him, I mean that you have to now look for another messiah because that must that is definitely not the one because if he was the messiah, he would have said Israel free and Israel is not free. Okay, so he was a messiah. What they understood under Messiah is not what we as the Christian church today understand as the Messiah, as the one that saves us from hell and going to take our spirits to heaven. That is not what they understood under Messiah. They saw a 100% political figure, somebody that could even uh, take up arms, have a sword, fight for the independence by sword and set them free like in, uh, uh, you know, the Maccabean revolt. That is exactly what they were thinking of. So here comes Jesus. He is seen as the, um, the son of God by Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed it. Mark, uh, Matthew 16 is recorded like that. Jesus even said that. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the Messiah. That is what Peter said. Jesus basically said that you are right. Here are the followers of Jesus, very excited, because what they have in mind is Jesus is going to set the set, set, set Israel free, and they're very, very happy about that. And most probably, arms are going to be taken up. Might not be that it will be, but it might be. And here he is leading the people. Thousands follow him. We see that he bears signs, wonders, and miracles. God confirms that he is the man. They are all very excited. All of a sudden, the Jews turned their backs on him. They actually never believed in him. They pushed him away and organized by the hands of wicked men, the Romans, to have this man crucified and there he dies now okay now imagine jesus is now dead here mary and uh, mary magdalene and mary the mother of james salome the people the disciples they are all wondering why have we missed it we've missed it look at all the prophetic words look at all these things it is not becoming true we've missed it oh god what is going on 
We were so convinced and it didn't happen. And on the third day, this man, when they went to put spices on his body, they find that the stone is rolled away and he is bodily raised from the dead. My goodness. An angel appears and says, listen, this man that you're looking for, he is not here. He was not stolen. He was none of those things. He is bodily raised. What would that mean? Yes, he is the one. Yes, he is going to set us free. Yes, he is the Messiah of the Jews. This must now be the time when he's going to restore the kingdom back to Israel. And their political mind was rushing forth and they were so happy. Now, the woman went and they told the eleven. The eleven did not believe them. They did not believe. Jesus appeared to other people on the way to Emmaus, they went and told the disciples and the disciples did not even believe them. Then Jesus appeared to the eleven and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe that those who saw him raised from the dead uh, were speaking the truth. And he says, go ye now and tell the whole world, even until the ends of the earth, Tell them that I have been bodily raised from the dead. So what he's basically saying is, this, that which is good news to you, go and declare it to others. And I want to add this in my own words, that as what this is good news to you and what it means to you, that it might mean something to them. My goodness. We can then... We can then also go to Acts chapter 1, and this is a very important part here, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, these disciples, I mean Jesus then, after his bodily resurrection, which must have meant everything to them, because it means he is the Messiah. There's no way that he's not the Messiah. That they think he was the Messiah that's going to take their spirits to heaven? Or what was their mindset of Jesus being the Messiah? Their mindset was that he is now restoring the kingdom to Israel. And they wanted to now know when this is going to take place. Jesus appears. He talks about the kingdom, loving one another, caring for one another, and so forth. Then he also talks about the Holy Spirit that will be poured out on them and all those kind of things. And then they one day, when they were in a room together, they thought, let, let us just ask Jesus, how's this going to happen? Is it going to happen now, this week, next week? When are you now going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? So what they wanted to know, Lord, when is it over with Caesar? When, is, when, is, when are you basically moving in the Herodians? Uh, what are you going to do? Is this the time? Are we going to be free? And then Jesus answered them in a certain way. And I pick it up here in Acts 1, 6. It says, And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know, and I'm using my own words from Daniel 2, 21, it's not for you to know when I put somebody in power, when I take somebody out of power, but you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, verse 8, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, so what is he saying? He says, listen, man, get your mind off 
who is the physical leaders of this piece of land. It's not for you to know when uh, Caesar will be placed and when the next Caesar will come and when he will be moved out. That's not for you to know. What you will have is I will pour out my spirit on you and you'll be witnesses that I was bodily raised. And we find that in chapter 2, Paul comes and he says in chapter 3, he says that God made, chapter 3, this Jesus both Messiah and Lord. So what they were basically saying is we witness that Jesus was Lord, was raised from the dead and that he is now the Lord. So you're not going to worry anymore on who is Lord. Lord would mean Lord Caesar. You will not worry about who's governing the things of this world anymore because Jesus would be the one. That's what they would know. That's what the early church believed. Let me explain to you how this works. And, and I'm going to use a politics to explain this. I think I've used it before. But let me, just forgive me, but let me use this example. Um, I'm sure it, it might open your mind to see the power of what was going on in the early church. Imagine we take America now and the political situation that they are in. Imagine, now, I don't want to get involved in what is happening there politically. I don't, some might be very upset, but I don't really care because Jesus is Lord to me. And you'll understand why I say that. I don't really care. Jesus is Lord. To me, it doesn't matter times and seasons. It's not for me to know when will the next party, will it be Republicans or Democrats? It's not for me to even know that. It's for me to have the Holy Spirit and testify that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that he is Lord. He's the ruler. That's what it is for me. He's raised from the dead. That's, it's not for me to know those things. Those are little things. It is not even of importance for me. There are some people that will know that, but for me, I'll receive the Holy Spirit and I will be a witness to the fact that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and that he is Lord and that whosoever calls on his name, be they of Caesar's house, be they of the Herodians, doesn't matter, they shall be saved because he is Lord of this earth and still working in this earth and he will continue to work in this earth and he will make everything new in this earth. Now, let me explain to you. Let's say we take the, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans. And now we look at the accusations that's going around and they're saying that the election was rigged. Now, or there was some cheating taking place. Let's say, for just an example, let's say it's true. But now it's even rigged. And the reason why I say let is true is because I want to explain what happened with Jesus and the Jews and how they set him up. That's the message I'm really talking about. And please hear what I'm saying. So let's say it is true. But let's say it is so rigged that Trump is even now found um, that he is guilty of some very big thing and he must get the death penalty. Now he gets the death penalty. So he was guilty, lies were fabricated. And he received the death penalty. Now imagine that happens to Donald Trump today in America. 
He's dead. Now he's dead. And then within a week, I mean, pictures is shown the man is dead. It's on the news. The man has died. Lethal injection. He's dead. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. And he starts to appear to people. <laughs> all other parties, all news agents, everybody has got something to deal with now. Because this man has been raised from that. The, 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 the people in America would start to worship him as God now. Why? Because he was raised from the dead. He would be seen as the one that will rule in America forever. It would not be a four-year term, eight-year term, that kind of a thing. None of that. None of that would be whereby those who believe and have seen him raised from the dead would govern their lives. They would not care about terms anymore. They would say, Trump has been raised, he's a man approved of God, and we stand under him for as long as what he lives. And that is forevermore. And imagine if he starts to promise eternal life now to those who believe upon him. Now some might say this terrible example, depending on which side of the political scheme you are, I, I don't really care for the American politics. But what I care for is Jesus and the point that I'm making is that Mary and uh, Salome and Mary, the mother of James, and the disciples, what happened to them would be what happens to a very strong Republican that completely feels Trump is the right person if Trump would have died and be raised from the dead. You would not find him anymore even at the polls ever again. You would find this man consumed with what has taken place. And his life will be born from that. Now, that is the kind of a thing that took place in Jesus. He was bodily, not the kind of a thing, that is what took place. He was bodily raised from the dead. The disciples saw him, touched him. And then from there... This man, Jesus, who appeared for a period of about 40 days and talked and interacted with the disciples, was taken into the heavens in front of their own eyes, didn't disappear as pertaining to being away from the world, but only went into a dimension where we cannot see him, but he is still with us. That man, in nine days later, when the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, uh, on people was preached as the man that is actively still working in the earth and that it was him that poured out the spirit on the people. So here were they. They were basically saying, we don't care about the Herodians. We don't care about any of these things. God has taken the man, and this is now where it gets to in, in, in Acts chapter 2, <laughs> where Peter is preaching. Let me first say what he preached, then I'll read it. He says to them, This man whom you murdered, whom you crucified, God approved of him through signs and wonders and miracles, and then he was 
murdered by you, given over to the Romans, you working together with these Gentiles, killed this man, all authority of Rome was pushed down on him, all authority of you people came on this man and you killed him. And what God did was he showed through signs and wonders before the time that this is the Messiah. And when you killed the Messiah, what did the father do? The father says, then I'll raise him up. But he's the Messiah. And he's the ruler. Now, was their concept that this Messiah prior to his death was going to be a ruler that works in the earth? Absolutely. And then when he died, what did God do? He raised him from the dead. Then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Then he says, this, what you are seeing now, is the very one that you murdered, whom the Father raised up. It is him physically pouring out the Spirit on physical people, and they are now in all languages declaring that Jesus is the Lord, that he is the Messiah. Lord and Messiah would mean to the Greeks and the, and, and the Romans, the head of everything was Lord Caesar. And to the Jews, the head of everything would be the Messiah. He says he made him Lord and Messiah. Not of heaven, of earth, my goodness, man. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you would not be able to convince any of those church people to throw their weight in with the Herodians or to put their, throw their weight in with Caesar or with any little rebel group that is now going to fight against Rome or anything. They would say, we don't need a rebel group anymore. We don't need any of those things anymore. We don't need, need a, 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 a Maccabean revolt again. We need none of that. The one we have, he has even conquered Rome. He's conquered death and he has told us not to give any attention to those things, but only to, we will have the Holy Spirit and we will testify that the man is Lord, that he was raised from the dead. Glory to God. Whoa, glory to God. <laughs> Acts 2, 29. Let's listen to what he says. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you about the patriarch David, that he is dead and buried, and that his sepulcher or his grave is with us until this day. Therefore, being a prophet, David prophesied, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of his, the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, physical man, he would raise up the Messiah, the Christ, to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm. 
So, what, are the, what is Peter saying? He says, listen, this Jesus, this physical Jesus, was physically raised. He's a physical man. He ascended on the right, to the right hand of God. The heavens has taken him, but his hands is not as short to rule on this earth. And it is him pouring out the spirit on these people now. It's him. It's him doing it. He's physically working in the earth. So he went, sat down at the right hand of the Father. The Father promised him the Holy Spirit. As he sat down at the right hand of the Father, the Father gave him the Holy Spirit. And he now pours out the Spirit whereby he will rule in this world on those who believe in him. Do you think they would, they would, the early church would be bothered about Caesar and the Herodians and what was going on there? To them, they, didn't, they needed nothing. To them, politically, physically, everything, the resurrected Christ was it all. That's what happened to him. They believed on him. They were standing under his rule in this earth. And the way Jesus ruled was he put the spirit inside people's hearts, poured his life out on their flesh, bring, condemned sin in their flesh, and healed them from corruption and sin in the flesh, brought life, love, peace, and joy out in them, and that is how he governs in the world, and there is no other way. That is the only way. That's why they just preached the kingdom of God. They preached the resurrected Jesus, and they didn't care about the rest. They preached the gospel because their Jesus is Lord. Why would they now worry about another guy who calls himself Lord? Caesar. They would not even worry. Why would they worry about King Herod and the Herodian political party of that time. They wouldn't care because Jesus was their Lord. And he ruled over them by the Holy Spirit. And that rulership would be called the grace of God. And as people call upon the name of Jesus, they are saved from whatever they needed salvation from. Another example, this is the man, he, the, the, the paralyzed man that was healed. It says, and a lame man was healed by Peter and John, and all the people ran together to the porch called Solomon's, and, and they were all greatly wondering what was going on. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Talking about a physical thing that happened in the physical earth. Or why... Do you look so earnestly to us as if we, by our own power and holiness, have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers who glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, the just, and desired a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life, in other words, the one that's now resurrected, when he was on the earth, he's the prince that's now giving life to all people. When he was on the earth, walking here with you, you killed him. Can you see how physical, how political, how in, in your face is this preached? He says, you killed him. Whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, in other words, his authority in this physical earth, through faith in his name, 
In other words, the fact that he is the Lord, through trust in that he is the Lord, has made this man strong whom you now see. Yes, the faith, the persuasion that we can now have, that he is Lord and that he promises us eternal life through this prince of life has made him perfect and I present him to you. Those people's minds in that time were at a completely different place than what I find most of people that call themselves the body of Christ today have their minds. Their minds was on a physical Jesus, physically raised from the earth, who's physically working in this earth, who is the Lord, whose rulership is not of this world, but that he is in this world and ruling, making all things new, having the hope of the resurrection and the spirit that will raise them from the dead is ruling in them, proving that Jesus is Lord. That's what they believed. Now we can understand why what Paul would have meant when he said to Timothy, a soldier of the Lord doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this world. And I think we've done that in a great deal when it comes to, to this world and the things of this world and the news and the politics and all those kind of things. I love it to sit around a table with people and when they want to talk about politics, I just slam Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of this physical earth and I preach this kingdom and I say I'm standing under his rulership and I am well, I am safe, I am protected. But Bert, you cannot just put your head in the sand. Put your head in a hole and not pretend as if you're not seeing something. No, I put my head in a hole called the grave of Jesus and I see no human being in that grave. And to me, I see an angel saying that this man who you thought would rule was not, he's not dead, he was raised. And then I see him appearing to me. I see the whole story and I am well aware that this physical Jesus has not left us as orphans, but he's poured out his spirit that reminds us of everything that he has freely given us. And the earth and the fullness of it belongs to the Lord and he rules over us. He brings life to us. He brings peace to us. And our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Glory to God. You ask me, Bertie, how can you live in a country and just have peace just there where you, where you live? South Africa, they say, is finished. Let me tell you something. The way I have peace right now is by knowing Jesus is Lord. But Bertie, what if this party gets elected or that party is elected? What, what about them? It's not for me to know these things, those things. But it's for me to be a witness that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I believe, and I preach this message radically to you that are watching me today, we need to get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and get our noses out of what we have no business with. Get our, but Bertie, what are, you, what are you saying to me? I'm saying to you that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and I am a witness of that. Bertie, how are you a witness? Because have you seen him being raised from the dead? No, I have not seen him raised from the dead physically. I have not seen him, but I am not like those disciples who needs a rebuke from Jesus who could not believe that he was raised from the dead. I didn't see him, but what I did have is I found that 
I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I found that when I believed upon Jesus and called upon his name, he saved me. I feel a salvation that's taking place in me. He's changing me. And I'm testifying that the very same Jesus that walked the earth, that went into the heavens, whom the heavens must take up for a time, is still and will always be Lord of this world. And that I stand under his jurisdiction and he rules over my life. And that I find love and peace and joy. Things like contentment coming to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. I'm preaching myself very happy. No, no, I'm very happy and that's why I preach. And Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He is our Messiah. The man Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. If I look into the heavens, I see a man seated at the right hand of God, whose face is shining with the glory of God, who is the king of this world. But Bert isn't the Satan, the king of this world. No, he is the king of the systems of the world. But the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to Jesus. All authority has been given to him. But Bertie, you know, there are some authorities here and there. I don't want to know about those authorities. There's one thing I, the way I relate to the authorities of this world, I submit to them in this sense that if they say drive the speed, I do it. If they say you must have a license, I do it. I don't look for trouble with those folk, but they are not the authority where, that rules my life. They are just part of the systems of this world. But I stand under the power of the one that makes all things new. Hallelujah. Jesus was raised from the dead, man. And I testify of the resurrection of Jesus. You know what we've made the resurrection of Jesus Christ out to be? We think that Jesus, where he is at the right hand of the Father, has got a body that's not even physical, that pertains to the heavens and those kind of things. And because we've distanced him so far from the earth, we are now looking for other systems in this world whereby we need to govern. And then we try and think, how can we get the, uh, these people to follow the customs of Jesus? And we as Christians can force systems so that they line up with the kingdom of God so that we can can live. You'll destroy yourself that way. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe that he was physically raised from the dead. Believe that you have the promise of the resurrection of your physical body. Believe that his spirit is on your flesh. That's what it's all about. And that he brings forth in you the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the the first clothing of the eternal life which shall manifest in this earth. We don't live in the, on this earth for no reason. No. And I, wanna, I want to encourage my friends in America. I want to encourage my friends in the United States that think that the whole kingdom of God is now in the balance between two political parties and all of a sudden the kingdom of God must now fight to convince uh, to convince some uh, supreme judges. Hey, that Jesus was raised from the dead man. He is Lord and don't forget it. Don't forget it. I want to tell you, doesn't matter who rules, Jesus rules.
not in them and not through them, in you who believe and call upon his name. The only way the rulership and the kingdom of God can come to people's hearts or over a country is by the people believing in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. No other way. There is no other way. So, Betty, what shall we do? Why, why, why do you think do we have the Holy Spirit? To be witnesses that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Think of your political leader, which you think is the hero. Think that he gets raised from the dead. Think he gets raised from the dead. How would that influence you? Would you care about anything but that? You cannot defend the truth of the resurrection, or let me put it this way, or try and empower it through a court. It is above the courts. It is in the hearts of humans under the rulership of Christ in those who call upon the name. The only way you can find a country to change, if you want a whole country to change, is to not waste any second on any rubbish that doesn't have the power to bring forth eternal life, but to preach the gospel in the hope that those to whom the Father is already speaking in their hearts, that they would grab a hold of and believe it as they hear a, 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 a message confirming what they're hearing in the heart. And as many as are willing to be saved shall be saved. And we will find that in one day Jesus Christ appears again in this physical world. We see his physical body and we will appear with him in glory. And so we will rule and reign with him over death itself and live forever with him. That is the gospel of the kingdom, my friend. And that is what we as Christians are supposed to believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Betty, you are blind. Yes, I'm blind, man. I'm blind to those things, but my eyes that has been blind to Christ has now seen. Glory to God. You were about you are blind to the problems of this world. You're blind to this, you're blind. The other day, I spoke to a person and we were talking about politics and I said to him, listen, let me ask you this. And I, I, with what, a lot of respect, I asked this. I said, listen, if we get people into government, physical government of South Africa, that are not corrupt or other people into government. History has shown us that we've never had any government that didn't have corruption. Never. There's always some form of corruption, somehow. How are we going to get the corruption out of the people's hearts? Because that's the issue. The issue is not who's leading the country. The issue is the heart of man. That's the issue. How are we going to change this? You know what the gospel offers? I said to the man, as long as what we keep the poor poor, in teaching them how poor they are, in making them promises every day, they will live from poverty. But why can we not preach the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ boldly and powerfully from a political platform where the people see the resurrected Jesus, not a Jesus in heaven that uh, Jesus is Lord, kind of. No, with understanding, man, with understanding, with power, with signs following, 
Why can't we, can we not do that and let every poor person come to the conclusion that Paul came to that said, if I've only got clothes and food, thereby I am content and I need nothing more. I am full. That will mean that nobody can control the poor anymore through lies. Because they will already be full. They will be happy. They will be joyous. And so much problems will be sorted out. We'll find the rich becoming generous. We'll find the poor becoming generous. Man. We'll find a change of life through the kingdom of God believing upon Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. I don't want, we hear too little of Jesus in messages. We need to hear more about Jesus. We need to be hear more about immortality. We need to hear more about his body being raised from the dead. We need preachers. I want to say to my preacher friends, stop to be ashamed of the resurrection. Hammer the message, man. Preach it unashamedly that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and what it means today. You don't have to treat people with uh, uh, softly, you know, oh, maybe he gets offended if I talk about the resurrection or what. Man, he's going to find out anyway that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's going to find out anyway this about bringing eternal life to physical bodies in the last day. He's going to find it out anyway. So just give it to them now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus for what you've done. Thank you, Father, for raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit upon us and that we can have peace. Thank you that we can be governed by the force and the power of heaven, the Spirit of God, and that we can be in this world and not have our life of this world. But in this world, we stand under your jurisdiction and we are here, Lord, to be witnesses that Jesus was bodily raised. That's what we will be involved with. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that it, you have not given it for to us to know about times and seasons and, and all these kings and presidents and all those things. It's not for us to even have our minds. Thank you that we don't have to carry that burden, but that it's for us to testify that you were raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I want to ask you, will you please, Stretch forth your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles that I and those like me can preach the gospel with boldness where we will have these overwhelming supernatural miracles take place showing your work in this world. Thank you, Lord, that you heal people that listen to this message, that they will testify of this of your healing power. Thank you, Lord, that we know your healing power, signs and wonders and miracles, is not the end of the kingdom. It's just a sign that you were raised and that you are Lord. When you confirm your word of eternal life, thank you, Father. I thank you that you do that. And we are open for that. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, as I, I just stretch forth my hand, just as a sign. And I thank you, Lord, that you stretch forth your hand. And in the name of Jesus Christ, sick people get healed. Cancers get healed. Uh, people with HIV AIDS that watch this gets healed. People with addictions get set free. 
thank you, Lord, you do miracles for people in every area of their life financially, peace, their children gets healed. Miracles take place as signs of your message. But above all, Lord, that they believe upon your name and call upon your name to be saved. Thank you, Lord, that people whose minds were troubled with politics, Lord, thank you that that bondage is broken from them, that they are free. They believe in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Set your church free. Thank you, Lord, that your church is being set free. Thank you, Lord, that you raise up preachers to boldly preach this message. And I can say I thank you for that because I know you are busy with it and that people have boldness to preach. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. My goodness, my, my goodness God is... Hallelujah, I thank God for the gospel, man. I understand what Paul says, that if I am outside of my own mind, you know, I, I, I get, Afrikaans is eitsinnig, I don't know what, the, beyond myself, it is because of God. It's because of God. And if I am normal, <laughs> It, it, and inside parameters where I try to maybe explain something, it is because I want to explain it to people. Man, I want to tell you, if I stand outside of South African, people will say, man, Bertie, you are besides the systems of the world. Yes, it's because of God. It's because of God. That's what this is all about. Now, let me just start to preach again, but... Uh, be encouraged, church. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done for us. It's all about the freedom that he has come to give us. Know that you are deeply loved by God, cared for by God. Listen to this message. If you, at the bottom, there's a little thumbs up. If you hit that thing on YouTube, it becomes blue. Try it. It works. It, it works for me. So, and I'm sure it will work for you as well. Do it. Share this message. Listen to it over and over. Share it. Use the boldness God has put in your heart. Jesus is Lord. Amen.